Blog Talk Radio. Gentlemen, and welcome to the 586th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you American perspective, our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. Get your daily reading from me and other writers over at Rebel News Network. But as always, this show is dedicated to the American game. Chat room is open. Come on in. Discuss amongst yourselves if you like. If you have a question for me, I'll try to answer it to the best of my abilities. The U.S. under-20s with a clean sweep winning Group B down in Argentina, and they are already advanced into the round of 16. They will take on New Zealand this upcoming Tuesday afternoon, which you can watch live either through Fox Sports 2, on FIFA Plus, through their app, as well as NBC Universo, Telemundo, uh, sports under NBC Sports uh, app or the NBC Sports, NBC Live website, uh, wherever you can watch it, either in English or in Spanish, as well as Fox Sports app included. And what a job the kids have done so far. There's been a lot of positives in this under 20 so far for the U.S., a bit of a glaring negative, and I'll get to that in just a moment, but let me just say this. These kids are showing why they are the future for our national team this upcoming tournament or this current tournament that's going on right now. And if these are the kids that are going to get that opportunity next summer in the Olympics, because it was this group that qualified not just for the under-20 FIFA World Cup, but for the Summer Olympic Games, which will be held in Paris, France, in the entire country of France. The amount of good that they've done so far has just been unbelievable. Unbelievable what we have seen from these kids. When you look at this roster, and it's mostly an MLS slash professional team roster for the United States. They have shown that they are ready to come and they are ready to play. And so far, Gagas Lonina has been rock solid in goal. He's only been challenged, I think, maybe once or twice throughout these entire three matches. Not heavily challenged, which... You know, look, it just goes to show you that you've got a strong defense, and at the same time, you have an opposition that probably should have done better, and they didn't really. And to be honest, I thought Slovakia and Ecuador were going to be the really, really tough opponents in the group stage. Not saying that I didn't think they were going to get any, uh, you know, they were, they were going to lose any points, or they were going to drop the full three points here and there. I thought, I thought confident they would get the necessary points to advance into the round of 16 uh, and you know win the group. Because obviously Fiji, which they really should have handled them a lot better. We'll get to that in a moment. But I really thought in the match against Fiji, they really were against themselves because they should have done better with their scoring chances. Outside of that, outside of that, This young U.S. team really, really looked great. And, you know, when you got that back line, players like, you know, Michael Halliday, Caleb Wiley, Joshua Widner, Brandon Craig looking pretty strong out there, Jonathan Gomez, Justin Chi, 
You know, the back line was really solid out there. Midfield was also solid. Daniel Edelman, Quinn Sullivan, Jack McLinn. Diego Luna, I thought, really, really had a really good game in these uh, matches. Owen Wolf, of course, that's Josh Wolf's son, um, who's the head coach of Austin FC. Nico Takiris played strong. Marcus Fercaranis played good. Kevin Parades has not... Uh, made it to the squad yet. He is going to be officially in the squad along with Rokas, Rokas Fuxtas, and of course, Obed Vargas. And up top, my goodness, Cade Cowell has been a monster so far along with Darren Yappy. He hasn't scored yet, Yappy, but still though, I thought he's looked dangerous and solid. And with the head coach, Mikey Vargas, uh, excuse me, Mikey Varas, no G, my fault right there, I apologize. You know, Mikey Varas, in my opinion, who really, you know, did well in the CONCACAF Under-20 tournament that got this team to qualify for the FIFA Under-20 World Cup, which, of course, originally was supposed to be in Indonesia, which then got moved to Argentina due to uh, Indonesia uh, with their, unfortunately, their uh, anti-Semitism against Israel finding a way to throw out the under-20 team because of what was going on in the West Bank. And we all know what's going on over there. We're not going to get into it. I try not to mix the politics with sports on this show, so we're not going to really uh, involved in that. Just as you know, it was anti-Semitism that played in Indonesia's removal of being the host nation and their national team to be stripped of being allowed to play and hosting their, this under-20 World Cup, unfortunately for them, and hopefully they will uh, learn from this and hopefully never do it again. And all you can say is, is that with, with this group, getting ready to take on New Zealand in the round of 16. Varus, in my opinion, has a tall hill to climb. So far, he's halfway there. And the only reason why I'm saying a tough hill to climb is that his predecessor is a U.S. men's soccer legend, a national team legend. He is currently the manager of Hartford Athletic in the USL Championship League, and that is Tab Ramos. Tab Ramos led the under-20s in two consecutive World Cups, maybe even three, but I could be wrong and find out. You know, I'll look at it later. But he got the under-20s into the quarterfinals. And at the moment, Varus is halfway there. Now, we don't know what will happen after this under-20 tournament if Varus will continue to be the head coach of the U.S. under-20s. But let me just say this. He is now in the round of 16. And even though it's New Zealand, and they're going to give him a fight, without a doubt, they're going to give him a fight. Do not overlook any opponent that you're going to be facing. If he can get this team into the quarterfinals, defeating New Zealand, Varus, then he is equal to Ramos. Now, obviously, that's not the goal. The goal is to get to the final. But you've got to go one match at a time. And so far, that is what they have done, the kids. And that is what the manager has done as well. All you can say is, is this. Is that what we have seen from these players, the talent that they possess is that they are getting the minutes that they need to go out there and to do the damage that they need to. Ecuador was a tough challenge. They got a single goal. The truth is they could have scored two goals, three goals, four goals against Ecuador. Unfortunately, the ball did not bounce their way. Fiji, in all honesty, that should have been a destruction on the scoreboard, without a doubt. When you are playing a nation, and I'm not trying to disparage the Fijians, I'm not trying to, you know, 
make them feel lower than dirt or anything like that. But the truth of the matter is this. I know they're young and I know they're kids. And yes, they've got the same amount of uh, chances to get a victory or at least to get some form of points. But if you're the United States and you are one of the top nations in this tournament to qualify, and you did, Oceania, without a, without a doubt, the Oceania nations, and once again, no disrespect towards them, but rankings-wise on the senior level and rankings-wise in the youth levels of the under-20s, you need to put 7 to 10 goals past them, and you cannot apologize for it. You cannot beg them for mercy. You cannot say to them, okay, that's enough, boys. Let, you know, that's enough. You don't have to keep going. No, this is, this is the highest level in youth tournaments or at least the second level, the highest level in youth tournaments in world soccer, world football. So all you can say is, is that, yes, they won 3-0. Yes, it should have been better. And yes, it should have been at least six or seven goals to nil. It should have been a seven up. It should have been. It wasn't. But the truth is, they got the three points, they got the win, they scored more than a goal against, against Fiji, and they moved on. And then, of course, the big victory over Slovakia, because they already won the group. That was six. Okay. They already advanced to the round of 16. Now it's time to win the group, and so they did. They did a number on Slovakia. They played strong. They played good. They got two goals out of it because Slovakia is still a very, very difficult side. And even in that one, you still could have said they should have had at least three or four goals. But still, though, they got two. And that was enough. As long as you get the win, you don't allow Slovakia to win the group. That's all that matters. And now you have a date. Tomorrow afternoon, this coming Tuesday, May the 30th. This coming Tuesday, May the 30th, at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time, maybe 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, depending on where it is. I think Argentina, I think it's probably an hour ahead. So it will be 2.30 Argentinian, Argentinian Time, 1.30 uh, East Coast Time, 11.30 on the Pacific Coast. The United States are going to take on New Zealand. And once again, New Zealand, still a tough side. A tough opponent to play against, but once again, an Oceania opponent, don't take them lightly. Go out there and destroy them as quickly, as quickly as possible. And if they do advance to the quarterfinals, they will face off the winners of either Gambia or Uruguay. And the last time they faced Uruguay was when Canada hosted the Under-20 World Cup and the match was at BMO Field in Toronto in the round of 16. And they advanced into the quarterfinals then. The year at the moment escapes me, but we'll see what happens moving forward. And all you can say is, is this. I believe these kids, they're going to show something big. And they're going to show what they're made of in the rest of this under-20 FIFA World Cup. Great show for you tonight. Let's move forward. We're going to preview the 2023 CONCACAF Champions League. And I'm very grateful to have this man on my show tonight. You know him very well. A well-known football broadcaster through Fox Sports, now with MLS Season Pass on Apple TV. Joining me tonight, the one and only Keith Costigan to help me preview the CONCACAF Champions League. Keith, good evening and welcome to the show, and how are you? Good evening, Daniel. Thank you for uh, for having me on. I'm looking forward to uh, what I think is going to be a really, really good CONCACAF Champions League final this week. Oh, it's going to be amazing and exciting. You know, I have to tell you, I think even though this will be the last edition of the current uh, format, even though next year we're going to have the uh, first round, which will be the new uh, version in 2024, the CONCACAF Champions League has really been more exciting, uh, a lot of fun to watch. MLS improves every single year. Seattle wins it for the very first time for MLS um, in last year's tournament. And I just think, 
this year it, it really got better. Yeah, look, I, I've, I've enjoyed covering the competition. I, I was lucky enough to, to call the final last year, and I, I think as the rivalry has grown between Liga MX and, and MLS and the gap has closed, um, I, I think it makes for much more exciting viewing. So I think we saw really good semifinals. Um, you know, I know our focus will be on LAFC, but, you know, you look at Leon and the job they did to get beyond Tigres, and all you have to do is look and, and see what happened with Tigres at the weekend to know, how big a, a victory that was. So I, I think we have almost a perfect scenario in, in an MLS team against the Liga MX team in the final because that, that seems to be the way the region is going in terms of the two dominant leagues and uh, one of the, the best teams from each of those leagues going head-to-head for the trophy. No, absolutely. But I want to go to Club Leon first, actually, because, you know, I think you've seen it as well as I have. Club Leon, I mean, I'm assuming they're, they're a strong side in Liga MX, but when they've been in the CONCACAF Champions League, it's like, okay, you think they're going to dominate the opening round, but then you go to the second leg, and then they just fall apart. And somehow, they shocked the hell out of me because I didn't expect them to go into the finals this year. I mean, they had to have plenty of changes to finally get to where they want to be. Yeah, I, I think um, if you look at their if you look at the group they have this year, they're, they're built on a strong defensive foundation. I think Nicholas Larkamon as the coach has come in and if you watch them last season, they conceded goals. They played with a way too high of a line and if you watch that edition of Leon trying to play against LAFC, I don't think it would be even a, a, an interesting matchup. I think LAFC would be clear favorites. But this Leon side defend a little bit deeper. They offer a threat in the counterattack. They have good balance in terms of youth and experience. They have, you know, Victor Davila, who you can play through, and an incredible striker. They have Angel Mena and, and Elias Hernandez, wingers who've seen it all. They're, they're vastly experienced. So, I think this is the best edition of Leon we've seen in the CONCACAF Champions League, the most experienced Leon we've seen in the CONCACAF Champions League. And I, I think they're a real threat. The way they play, they can hit you on the counter. Um, it, it's going to be a fascinating battle against an LAFC team who I think come in as favorites, rightfully so, given the way they've played so far this season within the region. But it, it's going to be a really, really close matchup. What surprised you when you and Warren Barton had the call between Tigris and Leon in the semifinals? Because, you know, that I was shocked that Leon found a way to beat Tigris because we all know them, America, uh, Guadalajara, you know, they're the big boys of Liga MX and not saying Leon is not. But, you know, those are the clubs you believe even Monterrey and, and Santos Laguna. You know, those are the big boys of Liga MX that they would actually get to the final. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that, that shocked me, you know, during the semifinal was they dominated against Tigres early on, away from home. They should have been 2 or 3 nil up. But then all of a sudden they found themselves 2-1 down. So sometimes when that happens um, and, and you don't have that championship pedigree, you know, uh, experience in terms of lifting CONCACAF Champions League, there's a worry that, okay, you know, you missed your opportunity, but they hung in there in that away like even though after going down, they could have easily dropped their heads. And then just when they got home, they were so dominant. Going forward on the front foot, uh, didn't give up many goal-scoring opportunities, took chances themselves. So it was the fact that, you know, they, they should have been ahead. They weren't. They didn't rest on the laurels. They didn't drop their head. And, and they really took care of business in that second leg. I thought Davila was outstanding. Um, you know, I, I saw Frias and Barrero, you know, anchored that defensive unit so well. Cota, such experience too. So it was the manner in which they, they bounced back after the disappointment of not winning the first leg and, and just really thoroughly dominated Tigres in the second to, to deservedly move on. Very true. And, uh, you know, look, I give Leon tons of credit. Um, they're in the final. They deserved it. And hopefully they'll, uh, they'll give us a show along with LAFC. And now we can go to them right now. What do you think uh, Terundolo, Steve Terundolo has done ever since he took over for Bob Bradley, who left for Toronto? Um, I, I think, I think he's, he's man-managed the group really, really well. I think Bob had obviously done an outstanding job at LAFC. Um, but the last year, you, you felt there was a need for a change, maybe for Bob and, and the club. But I, I think 
what Steve has done is he's got the best set of individual players within the group. I think he did that last year. They were outstanding in the run to MLS Cup. Um, but there's, what I think is different about this LAFC to Bob Bradley's is even when they play poorly, even when they don't have the ball in games, it doesn't matter. They find a way to win. They, you know, I would say Bob's team almost have to have more of an identity, like we're going to dominate you. But LAFC will go into certain games where they'll be on the back foot, they'll have less of the ball, and they'll be a transition team. So they can hurt you in so many different ways. And I think when you add to that, you know, what John Torrington's done with, <clears throat> excuse me, on my voice, a uh, long weekend, um, I think, you know, John Torrington's brought in key pieces within the group as well. Tillman in midfield means they have more depth there. Um, Denny Bawanga is right now maybe the form player in this region. So they've added to the squad really, really well to make them um, an even better side, if you can imagine that, after winning MLS Cup. And it's hard to look beyond them. But as I've said, Leon are are definitely not going to be any pushover. No, I agree with you. I don't think there'll be a pushover either. But I will say with LAFC, like you just said about Danny Bawanga, uh, he's just all of a sudden exploded. It all started down in Costa Rica against Aluenza uh, on the road with a hat trick, kept on going against Vancouver, kept on going against Philadelphia. And uh, he's just been tremendous for the club up to this point when maybe some of us are thinking they might have lost a little bit with uh, Chicho Arango transferring uh, away from the club. I mean, Bawanga's been tremendous. Yeah, I, I I did think the same when Arango left. It was who's going to be the nine, what way are they going to you know build that group. But I always say if you're if you're a really good team, the best time to change, the best time to almost try upgrade is when you're at the very top. You don't wait till things get stale. So the fact that Arango went and and uh, went to Liga MX and he hasn't exactly set the world alight down there, it almost just opened things up for Boanga, who was okay when he arrived late last season, but. This season, he's flourished. We don't even, I mean, it's crazy to say this, we don't even say that much about Carlos Vela, but he's still one of the best match winners in this region. Is a testament to how good Boanga's been. Uh, Poku's played really well. They've got a good balance, uh, LAFC, of star players and, you know, the likes of Ryan Hollingshead, MLS Vets, who, who play at such a high level, uh, Kellen Acosta as well. I, I just think the way this squad is being put together um, is a testament to, to why they're here and, and why they're one of the best in the region. I know that uh, Crepeau is still out for LAFC because of the broken leg he suffered in the MLS Cup final last year. But do you think maybe goalkeeping will be the biggest issue right now in these finals? Nothing against John McCarthy. I think he's done fabulous so far for LAFC in, you know, in place of Crepeau at the moment. But do you feel goal, it, could go, it could go down to goalkeeper? Yeah, I think it's a fair comment. I, I think McCarthy's done really well this year. But if you were to tell me, you know, McCarthy or Rodolfo Cota, there's your two goalkeepers, who do you want? I would say Rodolfo Cota. Like, his experience, um, he's so good with the ball at his feet, really good shot stopper. Um, but, but again, McCarthy has played really, really well. But it, it's one of those areas, I think, in, in Leon, Mexico has that group of goalkeepers in that, you know, general age bracket – the veterans have all come through together, um, and, and Coates is one of them. So it, it is one area of the field that I would give the slight edge to, to Club Leon. Uh, I agree with you there, but we'll see what happens. You know, surprises have always happened in this beautiful game that we all love. I think you know that as well. I think you were surprised since I know what, you're a Liverpool supporter that Everton stayed up. That was crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I think – all you can ask for in that kind of situation late on in the, in the Premier League season is you're in front of your own fans and you have your own future in your hands. So you looked at Leicester, you looked at Leeds. They needed to do their job and they were looking at, you know, looking elsewhere and saying, we need help as well. Um, I, I think Sean Dice came in and did a good job. Um, I still think there's so much more that needs to be done at Everton. But um, I love the rivalry with, with Liverpool and Everton. I'm probably... One of the Liverpool fans in the minority, which you know wasn't unhappy to see Everton stay up. I, I think it's a great club. I think you know the proximity between Liverpool and Everton. I've been to the games inside Goodison Park as well. A great Premier League venue. So it, it was electric to see that that energy at the final whistle. But also, 
should be noted that the Everton fans quickly turned around and, and let the message be known that they want the board out as well. So I think change has to happen. But in terms of you know drama towards the end of the season, the Premier League had it all yesterday. Absolutely. Really quick. Predictions. What do you see? Who's going to take it in two legs? I'm, I am going to go LAFC. I, I think just with their form, um, I, I think I think it'll be a close one. I think Leon will win the first leg. Um, I, I think they'll win it 2-1, but I think ultimately LAFC will get it done at home. They'll win 3-1 at home. So they'll, they'll scrape by one, by one goal in aggregate. I think you know, the, the, the winner here is going to be the neutral fan who's watching this as well because I think it's going to be two of the very best teams. Uh, and I think ultimately we're going to see a second consecutive MLS winner of CONCACAF Champions League. Absolutely. Keith Costigan, ladies and gentlemen, of Fox Sports, as well as MLS Season Pass on Apple TV. Keith, I appreciate your time, as always. I know you're a very busy man. Thank you very much for your time again, and hope to have you back on again soon. Anytime, and keep up the great work uh, that you do as well. It's it's great to be on your show, and uh, look forward to being on again in the future. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Once again, Keith Costigan of Fox Sports and MLS Season Pass on Apple TV. Catch him with Maurice Adu and check out uh, the MLS Season Pass through tv.apple.com every Saturday night. Or if you're going to listen to him do the Gold Cup this upcoming summer, it should be a lot of fun. All matches will be on the Fox Sports uh, channels. Fox Sports 1, Fox Sports 2, even Fox Soccer Plus. Check your local listings for the time and the channel to wear and to watch those games as well on English language. He will be paired with Warren Barton once again. So, big moment there, CONCACAF Champions League. Once again, this is the final edition of the CONCACAF Champions League in 2023. Next year in 2024, we begin a brand new CONCACAF Champions League edition from here on out, which means there will be an opening round for the CONCACAF Champions League and now expanded CONCACAF Champions League. And quickly, just to tell everyone, here is what you can expect once again in the opening round of the brand new CONCACAF Champions League. For those clubs that are going to qualify through the Caribbean zone as well as the Central American zone, they will have their own separate cup tournaments. So once again, Central American Cup will have four groups of five, and the top two teams in each group will advance into the quarterfinals, and then it'll be semis, final, and there, and then the winners, which will be, um, excuse me, which will be uh, the champions of the Central America Cup, will automatically go into the round of 16, and then you have the final, the finalists, the two losing semifinalists, and then the two of the four quarter finalists who lost will be in a play-in game or the rest of them will be in a play-on game, and those last two spots will go for them. And it will be, uh, not every club is yet in there currently, but there are clubs mostly coming from Belize, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua, and Panama. And then in the Caribbean Football Union Cup, it will be two groups of five. The top two teams will automatically go into the semifinals. The champion will go to the round of 16, the finalist will go into the first round, and then the play-in match, whoever wins that, will also go into the first round, and then we get to the round of 16, and excuse me, to the first round, which will be 22 teams, and they are heavily in favor of clubs in Liga MX, Major League Soccer, Canadian Premier League, winners of the Canadian Championship of the U.S. Open Cup, and of course, the League's Cup, which will be involved as well. So then there will be a first-round draw, and then the winners advancing to the round of 16 will join the winners of the MLS Cup, the League's Cup, Liga MX, the top club, or the best total points of the both Apentura Clausura seasons, the Central American Cup, and the Caribbean Cup winners will meet first-round winners then there will be another draw for that 
quarter uh, round of 16, and then the brackets will go into the quarterfinals, semis, and then the final uh, after the round of 16. So it should be a lot of fun, and it should be exciting, and cannot wait to see what's going to happen there. Now my next guest, you know, ever since I've had him on the show, and ever since he started doing his streaming service for the U.S. Open Cup, especially for the Open Cup matchup in the second round between Hartford Athletic at, excuse me, hosting Lansdowne Boys. And yes, this man is coming from Yonkers, New York to do the stream who did it with Tommy Smith. His business has been booming. It's been growing. And I'm very happy to introduce once again the head, the owner of New Logical Tech, Pat Murphy, joining me tonight. Pat, first things first, congratulations on the uh, expanding business that you have received since uh, streaming the Open Cup match as Lansdowne boys, even though they lost 2-0 to Hartford Athletic, in reality, you won. Oh, 100%. I mean, first of all, I want to thank you again for having me on your show for, uh, I think, a third time now. Um, but, yeah, no, it definitely was a big win. Uh, I definitely got a bit Twitter famous from it. I was seeing all the reviews about how um, how much people appreciated the quality of the stream and how it seemed, somehow managed to outpace the professional outlet that, handled some of the other games and yeah a lot of requests came in i hired a second person um she's been doing a great job and uh the requests keep coming in i'm definitely gonna have to put out another feeler for more uh more videographers no absolutely and you know what it just goes to show you that even though there are professionals or at least uh professional companies that do this and your and your talents showing me and showing everyone else around the uh you know the internet world shall we say you know they take a look and see who's better and i can definitely say pat you've done a fantastic job uh very happy that hartford athletic allowed you to camp into the press box to set up the broadcast and what was it like for you to call that game uh or to be in the same room with a legend like tommy smith who has been uh you know someone that you know i know we all know has been in this business calling matches analyzing matches whether it be in mls uh espn and now open cup with lansdowne boys in the second round so yeah i mean it's cool i i you know, as you probably know, I've been a Metro Stars fan since day one. So I remember as a young child, I'm literally talking like three to five years old, hearing Tommy Smith on the TV on MSG when we was listening to him. Then later on in Champions League, World Cup, Euro, all that good stuff. To uh, to be able to – oh, and, the, you know, and adding the Open Cup in there. I've been watching Open Cup since I was three years old. So to put that all together in a setting where I was part of the production of an Open Cup round game proper – and in a professional stadium was just mind blowing. And I still have to like look back and wonder if that was a dream or not. It was a, it's, it's amazing to think that was real. And, and, uh, you know, I tell you, the pressure was really on to do a good job. So I really have to give the Hartford athletic, uh, staff a lot of credit for being so accommodating and having the proper facilities for me to bring my product to its max potential. And, uh, and everything just went so damn well. <laughs> It was amazing. So I was a, I was just a super honored, and I'm, I'm proud of it every day. No, absolutely. I'm very happy for you. And obviously, you've been taking care of, obviously, you know, these clubs in the Eastern Soccer League, uh, the Cosmopolitan League, obviously. You know, you're heavily with Lansdowne Boys in the Yonkers, New York area. I mean, you've also done other clubs that have been at one time, uh, PDL, uh, which is now USL League Two. You've also done these amateur clubs like the Greek Americans, uh, Westchester Flames. I mean, look, I you know we follow each other on Twitter, but I'm I'm keeping an eye on what you've been doing. Obviously, like I said, Greek Americans, Westchester Flames. Uh, even in New Jersey, some of these teams in New Jersey, you've been doing a great job covering these uh, amateur leagues and these amateur teams. And it just goes to show that now you're in demand. Was it was yeah. feeling like for you to be in demand like this? Well, it's uh, I tell you one thing, it gives, it's given me a little bit of anxiety. You know, one thing that, you, that I, I hate to do is to disappoint people. Um, and uh, I, I will say, like, uh, in, in this month alone, I guess June is a very hot month for for soccer, mainly because of of um, NPSL, USL two, and uh, and UPSL. But I've had seven or eight overlapping requests for games on. June 10th, June 17th, and June 24th, and it's just like it's just impossible to facilitate all those folks 
you know, I've had to come up with all the different metrics to put this together because if you do the math on how much all this gear costs, it's it's like buying a used car. And and I'm talking like a good used car. And to to be able to handle all eight requests like immediately with only say ten of those games a year, I would have to charge almost like a three or four times over premium for my services and it's something that I don't, I don't want to kind of throw to the customer. So what I've been saying to people is, you know, maybe I can't do you now, but if you can put in a request and a commitment to next year, maybe I could try to build up towards it. So that's kind of been like my dilemma right now. And it's not like I have any outside capital that would come in to hand me the cash to put this together because, you know, usually, the way I factored my first setup and my second setup that it was with the expectation that I would have 30 to 40 games a year at minimum. But um, to do it just for 10, 10 games in a, in a high, high traffic period, like May, June and July, it's just a uh, tough to facilitate. No, it really is. And look, I give you plenty of credit for what you've been doing here. I mean, that's why I have you back on because, you know, I see what you've been able to do and, you know, watching what you've been able to do, especially with the Open Cup qualifiers for Lansdowne Yonkers, what you have done for them has been nothing short but miraculous and spectacular. I I can see you do a professional job of making sure – Everything gets done the way not only the, the home team wants it, but the same way that you want it, and that's fantastic to see. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, I, I, had a, I had a clear vision of what I wanted to do when I first started this whole thing. I knew that it would take time and money and, and just the right finesse of the IT components of it because it's really the IT part of it that makes it successful in, in all reality. And just to get all those pieces together, it took about a – I would say it took about a year to really perfect but once it got there like every game has been kind of near perfect if not perfect and uh yeah no i'm just happy that i can make other people happy and and that people can watch some games that they otherwise were only able to read about in tweets now i have to throw this at you because i want your opinion on this because um this was during the second round of the u.s open cup because what happened was Flower City Union of Nyssa were the road teams taking on Loudoun United at Segra Field. And apparently it was Loudoun United that either created the stream or they hired 11. I'm assuming that's who they hired because I think you know as well as I do that they, they just don't do a good enough job, in my opinion. I don't think they do a good enough job. But when you're watching that match on YouTube – It was strange and it was terrible because somehow I don't know if the wipe, if you know what I'm talking about, because I I was, I did go to college for, uh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Good. For television productions and stuff. Somehow something weird happened where the wipe was like in the middle. And even though the camera to me did not look like it was straight enough or the picture wasn't straight enough and it would go from one, from the right side of the field straight and then it was in a diagonal position on the left side with that wipe right down the middle in a diagonal position. And I'm like, there's something wrong here. Something's got to be fixed because I couldn't watch it. I could not watch that match. And I felt bad, not for those who are watching from Rochester to see, unfortunately, their team not playing well, but anyone that's an Open Cup fan, could not enjoy watching that match, even though it was Loudoun United who won it. It just wasn't good enough to watch it. What do you think caused that issue? Okay, so to um, break it down into technical terms, well, actually, let me clear up some things first so that um, we were fair to everybody across the board. Eleven Sports does not produce the matches that you, you think you're seeing. They produce the platform in which you can watch things on the Eleven Sports platform. And what they produce there is is just the streaming platform with the scoreboard and highlights. So that immediately rules them out of the equation. What you saw there was a automated camera, pretty similar to the very popular VO and the VO2 that is coming out. And basically what that has is it has two cameras actually right next to each other. And what they do is they keep everything in a very, very wide angle. And what you're supposed to see in the middle, it's supposed to use um, uh, coordinate uh, calibrating technology where it's supposed to create that, that wipe and, and, and merge it together to create one wide picture. And the idea is that it's supposed to use that wide angle to um, follow the ball and then shift the angle that you see in the 1920 by 1080 
key um, resolution to follow the ball. And probably what happened there was uh, I also found out it was most likely the folks from Flower City Union that brought that instead of Loudon. And what it did was they brought one of those automated cameras, but I bet you they brought a non-IT person to set that up. So simply what they did was they, they, they brought it, they jacked it up, and they set it up, but they didn't know how to properly calibrate it. So by not properly calibrating, it brought that picture. But since you're already midway through the game, I guess they didn't have the means or even wanted to touch it any further at the risk of breaking it even more. So it just created a uh, a thing for the for the you know the lure of people making fun of it for eternity. But I think that was just a result of not investing in proper IT people to set up a production like that. Like there's this there's this concession, and this has been brought to me personally. I remember back at the um, 2022 Coaches Convention when I went out to Kansas City, people coming up to me and saying, oh, do you ever feel like, you know, the thing that you do with the streaming is going to be replaced because everyone's going to be using automated cameras? I say, absolutely not. I mean, how many years did they say people are going to be driving self-driving cars? It's, it's, they've been saying it for 20 years, and, you know, 99.9% of people still drive fully manual by themselves on the road. So things take time, and it's going to take time with the automated cameras. So maybe down the road, there's going to be a perfect setup where you can watch a live stream off an automated camera. But we even see it in MLS Next Pro. Those things make mistakes all the time. In the League of Ireland, they've been making mistakes, and a lot of clubs have been shifting away from the automated cameras and going back to traditional film staff. So, um, and actually, there was an inquiry to happy possibly do that loud and match. Shout out to Tim Harvey, who kept trying to push me to go there. But, you know, no, no one opted to have it properly streamed. Flyer City Union brought the automated camera, and that was the end result that you got out of it. So people realize that the automated camera is not, not the perfect solution um, unless you have the right team behind it to calibrate it properly. But overall, it's not a perfect replacement for human beings operating a camera. I mean, if you tried that on an ESPN or Fox Sports production, a lot of people would get fired. And, um, you know, you get what you pay for, and uh, that's what happens. <laughs> No, I agree with you. I mean, look, I mean, it's nice to have an automated camera doing this and this and that and that. But the truth is, somebody's got to work it. And, you know, I I completely agree. I mean, we've seen, I mean, I remember, um, I'm assuming they still do this, Madison Square Garden Network, obviously, for the Knicks and the Rangers. I know that there's a man that goes into a room inside the garden, and he's working a robotic camera, but he's the one that's working it in the room while the camera is running it all over the place, up and down the ice or up and down the court. So it still needs human intervention instead of now we have AI involved, which I don't think we'll be worried about this for any time soon, but truth is, and I agree with you, we need human intervention to work these cameras to make sure the streams are impeccable. Yeah, I mean, look, like I said, if you tried to fully rely on the on the progress of self-driving cars right now, you'd probably die in a car accident. It's just a reality. Things take time. It probably will be good down the road, but it takes time. And, the, and to your point about what they do at the Rangers games, and they even do it at college basketball, those are like PTV cameras. Yeah, they have a, a central control room where they use a um, a TriCaster platform, which controls anywhere between one to sometimes even 30, 40 cameras. And, yeah, they have all these screens where they can move these things with a robot arm. Those will work great for basketball and hockey, but even for soccer, like, those are pretty terrible because the soccer ball moves so fast in such a larger uh, ground that you need a closer angle and you're just not going to be able to properly follow people with fluidity. And that's something that only a human can do. Very true. Very true. So – Now let me ask you this. With so many requests that you're getting right now, not just obviously covering all these amateur soccer games and hopefully somewhere down the road uh, you'll be in the professional leagues, of course. Um, Obviously, you'll probably be streaming other types of events and businesses. Are you currently – you know, having your office at home or is the next step maybe, and I'm only guessing here, it's whatever you want to tell me, it's fine. Will you start your own office somewhere in downtown Yonkers? Uh, I mean, there's already been offers made about where I could put office space. I have been inquiring about that. I mean, look, definitely at a point where I have to hire people. It's just not, it's just not something I can run entirely by myself. I mean, the, the irony of this whole conversation is yes, I'm only human. And I can only do so much. So, yeah, I'm going to have to expand things. I mean, right now, everything kind of works on site, like a, like isolated. So, yeah, for example, if you bring a streaming setup 
you're bringing the whole shebang, the whole studio, the whole computer, the encoder, the camera, all on site. But I would love a, 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 a setup on the road where, down the road where I have an office um, for all my other operations, of course, but to host the streaming studio where I have one central announcer hanging out in a room looking at the cameras and I have purely camera people going out to the different locations and beaming the signals back to um, the central studio. That's what the folks at ESPN do. They send people the video and send the video signals back to the mothership, and then the mothership is what processes the final production. So if I can create a platform like that, that would be the ideal setup, and it would be more cost-effective with a high volume of, uh, of, of games. But right now, I think the model is just try to sell out the second fleet of of, uh, of of you know games available. So right now I have my first setup and my second setup with a second camera person and a second commentator. So the goal is to try to sell out year-round that second person, maybe expand on a third. But yeah, I do. I definitely do want to have an office because um, right now I do most of my operations from home. But uh, with an office, I can then you know centrally put lend out equipment and meet with people and do training and do all that stuff. It's 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 great, you know. I mean, one thing I'm really proud of, I keep things at an affordable cost for clubs to pay so that, you know, it gives them the ability to reach out to their audiences. But, yeah, I do think that it's pretty low margins where I would have to drastically raise the price of things to justify having an office. So it's not going to only depend on the success of the streaming. It's going to have to require some maybe some sort of sponsors outside investors or just an expansion of both the streaming and my other um, IT and digital media-based operations to make that possible. But, you know, the dream is to hopefully within a year or two get a full office space where we can run these things a lot more professionally than they are now. No, absolutely, and that's my hope for you as well because, like I've said, you do, you, you've done a bang-up job. You've been really fantastic with this stuff. And uh, while I admit I, I am not as uh, technical like you are, but I am aware of some of the technical terms when it comes to broadcasting. Um, look, you've been top-notch. I am in your corner. I am rooting for you. And hopefully, uh, if you're going to do this again for the for Lansdowne, if they're going to go back into Open Cup qualifying, uh, I'm rooting for you to be uh, you know, doing that successfully again. And I am here for you no matter what. Thank you. Oh, yeah. And then uh, especially with the second fleet of gear right now, I can imagine – requests will be coming in for me to cover other Open Cup qualifying matches. So, you know, instead of seeing uh, two games a weekend, you might be able to see four. So I'm excited to see it happen, and I know it's going to lead to a lot more um, exposure, and I'm excited to see what the next year brings. Absolutely, and I'm going to be there for you, and I'll be excited for you. Pat, once again, thank you very much for being on the show tonight. I really appreciate it. M plenty of success, and I'm hoping for more success for you and, and the new logical tech in this realm of streaming, especially for American soccer and the Open Cup qualification rounds. Thank you again. Thank you so much, and have a good night. Thank you. You have a good night, too. Once again, Pat Murphy, new logical tech ever since he started running his business and doing open cup qualification games, he has been sensational. And ladies and gentlemen, all you can say is, is that this man has done a tremendous job with his business. And that's all you want. This game helps you out no matter who you are, where you are, where you're coming from. This is a big moment for him. And all I can do is support him and just give him the old, Good, you know, good job and pat on the back. That's why I'm bringing him back on because it's a, he is a success story in this game, not on the pitch, off the pitch, in the press box. And hopefully more business will come for him and towards him. And now it's time to talk about the New York Red Bulls as they were on the road against the Seattle Sounders with a 1-0 loss. Um, not a good start in the opening 45 for them. Um, just the passes were not connecting. It wasn't as crisp as it should have been. Now, granted, they played over 120 minutes uh, against FC Cincinnati in the Open Cup fifth round match. So there was some issues there, probably some tired legs. Um, but they did turn around. Troy Lassane recognized very quickly uh, at halftime that he was going to have to make some changes, and he did so. And he put out there um, Elise Manuel and Wiki Carmona to bolster the attack, and it helped. Now, granted, they had some 
solid chances, two to three solid chances. Two of those are from Elise Manuel, who probably could have made it 1-1. And unfortunately, Stefan Fry just was spectacular in goal for the New York Red Bulls. So unfortunately for them, they fall, and the three-match league unbeaten streak is broken. And under Troy Lassane at the moment, it is two wins, a draw, and a loss. Um, but, but you do see the positives from Lassane. He did a great job managing this roster, putting it out there, and doing a wonderful job of getting these guys ready to play. And, of course, now they're going to get ready for a midweek matchup down in South Florida, traveling all the way from Seattle to Miami to take on Inter-Miami and Fort Lauderdale at DRV PNK Stadium. And once again, you can watch that match on Wednesday, May 31st, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on the MLS Season Pass on Apple TV, tv tv.apple.com. And uh, we'll find out and I'll let you know, everybody, when uh, who will be officiating that match and what broadcasters will be broadcasting that match this coming Wednesday night. So don't forget Doubleheader. Watch your MLS match at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, and then watch at 10 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Pacific, the first leg of the 2023 CONCACAF Champions League Finals on Fox Sports 1. I want to thank my guests tonight, Keith Costigan of Fox Sports and MLS Season Pass on Apple TV, and Pat Murphy of New Logical Tech. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Join me this Friday night to review the first leg of the 2023 CONCACAF Champions League Finals with Araceli Villanueva and Eugene Rapinski. And then on Sunday night, which will be the second leg, will be the post-game show, and hopefully I'll have both of them on for the post-game show of the second leg to discuss what happened in that second leg match, and it should be a lot of fun. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Take care so long, and bye-bye for now. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.